0: Welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Friday, June 28th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, a show all about Thursday's debate. Here's how I'm going to break it down. The big picture on what we saw last night. How the Harris-Biden exchange represents so many issues in this primary. Buttigieg's comments on policing in South Bend. Some notable closing remarks. And the ratings for these debates actually broke records. Here's what you missed last night from the campaign trail. Last night, the second installment of the first Democratic primary debate was very different from the first night. In this first segment, I'll talk about the big picture of what went down, and then we'll get into more specific moments from key candidates. Okay, so the obvious thing to talk about today is that, yeah, all these candidates paid attention to the first night and learned some handy tactics. Interrupting each other, talking over each other, and just launching into a speech when it's not your turn. These were all viable ways of getting time in this setting. I hate that that's the case, but it remained true on the second night. Over and over, last night's debate showed us that candidates were rewarded for being aggressive and not following the rules. There were also many notable moments in which everybody talked over everybody else. Let me play one here, listen in, I promise it is short.
1: We're not doing that now. Senator Sanders. Oh. As the youngest guy on the stage, I feel like I probably as ought to
2: continue to the generational power. Part, part, generation, you know, part, generation, you know, part of Joe's generation. I'm all for Part of okay. Joe's generation. Let me respond. Before, before, we move the on from, issue, if before, before I may say, let's is not generational. Let's, please, please. Yeah. The Senator issue Senk, is
1: now that's generational. The issue is who has the guts to take on.
0: Yeah. And then, after Sanders had a brief moment to himself, the stage devolved yet again, leading to this viral moment from Harris. Listen in.
1: Have have a a Senator Harris, Marianne Senator Harris, I'm so have sorry. We will let
3: all of you speak. Senator Harris, For
0: please, we will let you all speak. Senator Harris, we can't Harris. afford to part, wait part for the of the on the issue. these okay. issues.
3: Hey guys, you know what? America does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table.
0: So that was the vibe, and overall the key difference between night one and night two was a difference in policy talk. Night one had a bunch of substantive discussion of policy, I mean, as substantive as it could be within those tiny soundbite moments. But at least we had candidates talking with specificity about immigration and various other policy topics. Last night's debate was much more of a brawl, and far more focused on mixing it up with the top candidates, Biden and Sanders, plus criticizing Donald Trump. It felt chaotic. Night one was about candidates introducing themselves. Night two was about candidates confronting one another. And next up, the thing about speaking time. We talked about this yesterday, and there was another roundup this morning by Vox revealing the incredible disparity in speaking time among the candidates. Reminder, on night one, Booker got almost 11 minutes at the top of his pack, and Inslee got just five minutes at the bottom. Well, here are the figures from night two, from most to least. Biden, with 13.6 minutes at the top. Harris, with 11.9 minutes. Sanders, with 11 minutes. Note that all three of these candidates got more time than Booker. And then, Buttigieg, with 10.5 minutes, just under the Booker number from the previous night. And then, Bennett, Gillibrand, Hickenlooper, Williamson, Swalwell, and at the very bottom, Yang, who got just... Three minutes of time to speak. Now, in my opinion, that is truly messed up. All these candidates got there through hard work. They all met the criteria put in place for them. But between the amount of time for Yang and the time for Biden, Biden got four and a half times the exposure. That does not seem fair to me. Yeah, Biden is polling better. And yeah, Biden is polling more than 4.5 times better than Yang, but that's not the point. The point of these debates should be to let us hear from the Yangs and the Swalwells and the Williamsons and the Hickenloopers, and that's not what we got. All four of those candidates got less time each than Inslee on the first night, and he was at the bottom of his night. This needs to change in July when CNN hosts the next set of debates. I hope CNN has a team sitting in a room right now thinking about debate formats that will be more fair. Now, the one other topic I want to get into up top is, yet again, we had a show of hands for who on the stage would abolish private insurance plans. Well, there were three senators on that stage who all co-sponsored a bill in the Senate this year that would do exactly that. And only two of them raised their hands, much like the previous night, when Booker, who is also a co-sponsor of the Sanders Medicare for All bill, did not raise his hand. Well, last night, Harris and Sanders, two of the co-sponsors of that bill, raised their hands. But Gillibrand, another co-sponsor of the same bill, did not. Why? Well, I don't know. And why didn't the moderator push back on that? I also don't know. And even weirder, after the fact, Harris walked it back, saying that she had misunderstood the question. But she had taken the same eliminate-all-the-private-insurance stance in a CNN town hall way back in January. Back then, she said, quote, Let's eliminate all that. Let's move on, end quote, in response to a question about the private health care insurance industry. And later, she co-sponsored the bill that would get rid of that industry. Seems pretty clear to me, right? Reading here from an article in New York Magazine dealing with the walking back that happened last night and then again this morning, quote, Lester Holt asked, Many people watching at home have health insurance through their employer. Who here would abolish their health insurance in favor of a government run plan? Harris said she thought he was asking if she personally would give up her private health insurance for a government run plan, and reiterated that she is not in favor of eliminating private insurance in general. End quote. She also repeated that on Morning Joe this morning. I'm not sure why these senators sign on to co sponsor bills when they won't admit to it in public. It is not a good look. Either you understand and believe in the stuff you sign, or you don't. You can't have it both ways, and the moderators, plus the voters, really ought to point this out so we can figure out what exactly these candidates are thinking. Next up, Harris and Biden. The defining exchange of the night had to do with Senator Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. And that exchange, which I will play in a moment, has all kinds of undertones that we need to pay attention to. While on the surface this is a discussion about race, it is also a discussion about two other key topics. First, Biden's policy positions in the past, and second, a generational shift within the Democratic Party. So I need to set up this clip just a bit to give you context. Much earlier in the debate, there had been a discussion on stage about the older candidates quote, handing the torch, end quote, to younger generations. So that was the thing that happened, but then we moved on. Right before this exchange was a discussion of race and policing. At the end of that, there was also a statement by Marianne Williamson about reparations, which helped solidify that the current topic on stage was racial justice. And that set up this moment. The way the exchange plays out, I want you to understand that you have a black woman talking to an older white man and telling him, hey, guess what? The policies that you supported when you were already a well-established senator back in the 70s affected me as a citizen. But I was a child back then. So that is the subtle generational part. And watching the exchange, it is blaringly obvious that the audience can see some differences between Harris and Biden. Biden is older. Biden is white. Biden is a man. These are not bad things, but they are differences. And those differences are relevant to what happened in the clip I'm about to play. Now, beyond all that, Harris also says in the clip that she was hurt by what Biden recently said about getting along with segregationist senators in the 70s. Listen for that statement, the word hurtful, and then see whether Biden addresses it. Also, listen for how Biden addressed an accusation that was not made by Harris, but has been made by others outside of this debate. All right, it's been a long intro. This is also a long clip, but it encapsulates so much of what this primary race is about. Listen in. The Vice President, 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 President Biden, I'm going to, we're going to get to you. Hang on. We're going to get to stage, I would like to
3: speak I, I, on the issue of race. <laughs> Senator Harris... If, that if I could I preface agree. this, we will give you 30 seconds since we're going to come
0: back to you on, on this again in just a moment. Go for 30 seconds.
3: Okay. So, on the issue of race, I couldn't agree more that this is an issue that is still not being talked about truthfully and honestly. I, there is not a black man I know, be he a relative, a friend, or a coworker who has not been the subject of some form of profiling or discrimination. Growing up, my sister and I had to deal with the neighbor who told us her parents couldn't play with us because, she, because we were black. And I will say also that, that in this campaign, we've also heard, and I'm gonna now direct this at Vice President Biden, And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And you know there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, It cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. Senator Harris, thank you. Vice President Biden, you have been invoked. We are going to give you a chance to respond. Vice President Biden.
1: Mischaracterized my position across the board. I did not praise racist. That is not true. Number one. Number two, if we want to have this campaign litigated on who supports civil rights and whether I did or not, I'm happy to do that. I was a public defender. I didn't become a prosecutor. I came out, and I left a good law firm to become a public defender when in fact when in fact when in fact my city was in flames because of the the uh, assassination of Dr. King, number one. No, number two, as the U.S., As excuse me, as the uh, uh, Vice President of the United States, I work with a man who, in fact, we worked very hard to see to it we dealt with these issues in a major, major way. The fact is that in terms of busing, The busing, I never, you would have been able to go to school the same exact way because it was a local decision made by your city council. That's fine. That's one of the things I argued for, that we should not be, we should be breaking down these lines. But so the bottom line here is look,
3: we need to pass the ERA because That's there are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of I all people I supported the okay, ERA from the very beginning sec- when well, I, I ran I for the
1: by 30 pro- seconds cuz
0: I want to you bring know. other people I, report, into this I supported the ERA
1: from the very beginning I'm the guy that extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years we got to the place where we got 98 out of 98 votes in the United States Senate doing it I've also argued very strongly that we in fact deal with the notion of denying people access to the ballot box. I agree that everybody wants they in fact. They should... Anyway, my time's up. I'm sorry.
0: The net effect here for virtually everyone watching, and certainly everyone doing wrap-ups like me, was to realize that this moment was a microcosm that displays some of the deepest divides in this primary. Those divides are generation, race, and sex. Yes, there is policy too. That is a huge thing. We shouldn't ignore it. Next up, I want to highlight one moment from Mayor Pete Buttigieg because it gets at a topic that has come up quite a lot on this show, and that is his handling of a shooting in South Bend. I don't think this clip needs much context, so I'm just going to go ahead and play it. Moderator Rachel Maddow speaks first. Listen in. Uh, In the last five years, civil rights activists in our country have led a national debate over race and the criminal justice system. Your community of South Bend, Indiana, has recently been in uproar over an officer-involved shooting. The police force in South Bend is now 6% black, in a city that is 26% black. Why has that not improved over your two terms as mayor?
2: Because I couldn't get it done. My community is in anguish right now because of an officer-involved shooting, a black man, Eric Logan, killed by a white officer. And I'm not allowed to take sides until the investigation comes back. The officer said he was attacked with a knife, but he didn't have his body camera on. It's a mess, and we're hurting. And I could walk you through all of the things that we have done as a community. All of the steps that we took from bias training to de-escalation, but it didn't save the life of Eric Logan. And when I look into his mother's eyes, I have to face the fact that nothing that I say will bring him back. This is an issue that is facing our community and so many communities around the country. And until we move policing out from the shadow of systemic racism, whatever this particular incident teaches us, we will be left with the bigger problem of the fact that there's a wall of mistrust put up one racist act at a time, not just from what's happened in the past, but from what's happening around the country in the present. It threatens the well-being of every community. And I am determined to bring about a day when a white person driving a vehicle and a black person driving a vehicle when they see a police officer approaching, feels the exact same thing. A feeling not of fear, but of safety. I am determined to bring that day about. Thank you, Mr. Mayor.
0: Okay, so that's one thing. That's kind of a buck stops here type of statement that may help Buttigieg deal with this issue. It by no means puts it to rest, but at least he addressed it. He also had memorable moments from the evening about religion and Trump and whether everybody really needs to go to college, but we don't have time today to get into all of those. Just look them up if you're interested. I think he tweeted all of the good ones. Next up, the candidates got 45 seconds for closing remarks, and I want to play just a few of those for you here. First up, Marianne Williamson.
3: Ms. Williamson. Seconds to your I'm date. sorry we haven't talked more tonight about how we're going to beat Donald Trump. I have an idea about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not going to be beaten just by insider politics talk. He's not going to be beaten just by somebody who has plans. He's going to be beaten by somebody who has an idea what this man has done. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So, Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me, please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field and, sir, love will win. thank
0: you. And here's Andrew Yang. Mr. Yang, you have 45 seconds for your closing. First, I want to thank everyone who put me on this stage tonight. I am proof that our democracy still works. Democrats and Americans around the country have one question for their nominee, and that is, who can beat Donald Trump in 2020? That is the right question. And the right candidate to beat Donald Trump will be solving the problems that got Donald Trump elected and will have a vision of a trickle-up economy that is already drawing thousands of disaffected Trump voters, conservatives, independents, and libertarians, as well as Democrats and progressives. I am that candidate. I can build a much broader coalition to beat Donald Trump. It is not left. It is not right. It is forward, and that is where I'll take the country in 2020. Mr. Yang, thank you. And to harp on this one last time, yes, that was roughly one-third of all the time Yang got in the entire two hours. The same is roughly true of Williamson, really, because she was also near the bottom of the pack in terms of actual speaking time. I include them here because I want you to know what their voices sound like and what their ideas are. And last up, let's talk about ratings. Prior to these debates, I saw several news stories saying basically the ratings for the primary debates won't be very high, so don't get excited, don't get your expectations up. Well, those were wrong. The first night very likely broke a record on its own though we don't have great measurements of online viewership to prove it one way or the other. In a CNN article, Brian Stelter reported on a Nielsen TV ratings report. Full disclosure, my brother actually works for Nielsen these days, but he doesn't have anything to do with this show or that number, as far as I know. And by the way, if you're listening, hi, Mike. (laughs) Okay, on with the story. Reading from CNN here about the first night of the debates. Quote, the 15.3 million total from Nielsen combines the viewership on the NBC broadcast network, MSNBC, and the NBC-owned Telemundo network, which carried the debate in Spanish. This trifecta of TV viewing options, plus intense interest in the Democratic primary, nearly set a new ratings record for Democratic Party primary debates. The record was set in October 2015, when 15.5 million viewers tuned in to CNN for the first primary season debate between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, end quote. Yeah, but here's the thing. Those CNN debates in 2015 had a much lower streaming viewership because they were on the CNN streaming app, not just your regular YouTube. There were just under a million people watching on that CNN app in 2015, whereas for these debates, the online viewership for Wednesday was around 9 million, according to NBC. Reading again from CNN, quote, these ratings don't even include streaming viewership on YouTube, Twitter, and other sites, end quote. Huh. Well, lots of folks that I know actually watched this on YouTube. I did too. And although YouTube's view-counting algorithm is nowhere near the same as Nielsen's, right now the Wednesday debate has 2.8 million views. Just on YouTube, not counting Facebook, not counting Twitter, not counting the NBC digital platforms. So by my read, the first night of the debate absolutely did set a record if you try to count those digital viewers in any meaningful way. Oh, and guess what? Thursday night definitely did break the record. In a CNN story titled, quote, Harris-Biden face-off is highest-rated Democratic primary debate in history, end quote, Stelter again got into the numbers. Although he didn't have the final, final numbers, the estimate at press time was around 17 million TV viewers and who knows how many online viewers. Reading from that article, quote, The high ratings have exceeded the expectations of NBC executives and surprised others in the TV industry. Democratic officials have cheered the news. End quote. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Primary Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Oh, what a lovely week, so much news, so little time. Again, I had fun interacting with y'all on Twitter last night. The bingo game did go a little slower, but we saw some last-minute wins during the closing statement, so that was a high-drama finish. For my part, I'm going to have a quiet weekend at home and prepare myself for the fact that this will all happen again at the end of July. We are really in for it now, aren't we? As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all on Monday.